It's that time again, fellers, as Jock Journal presents the Free Parking Show. Just a bunch of country boys who have a lot to say about sports. They invite you to call in, text, or just listen in. So pull up a comfy chair and crack open a beer. It's time to talk sports, chicks, and flicks. Good evening. You're tuned into the Free Parking Show on Jock Journal Radio. It's uh, for some tidbits on uh, the Red Hot. Ch- so, you know, I've been wearing contacts off and on. I haven't worn contacts in, in years, but my glasses. I've gotten them through the Veterans Affairs. You know, I, I love the Veterans Affairs and whatnot, but they make some of the cheapest frames you could, the money can buy. But then again, that's how they treat their veterans anyway, and that's nothing against them. They do what production. They can afford to, you know, give away this stuff for free and whatnot. So I go up there to get my glasses fixed. I think it was, I get them to tighten tighten the plastic frames up, and it's like a real thick plastic without the little bridge nose. And, and I've been in the guy's shop many times with these, and, and what he did was he tightened the, the, the piece around the ears. And then, you know, we're sitting there talking, and I'm going to eventually get some uh, a different pair of frames. I got an eye exam coming up here this month, or yeah, Next week, actually. And the guy tries to tell me that I should go get LASIK surgery. I said, uh, no, I got astigmatism in my eye. He said, well, even if you get the LASIK surgery, you know, it can cut back on some of the prescription. So I'm like, so you're going to tell, and I'm, I'm sitting there and I ask him, so why would I go spend $1,000? You know, I think that's about what it costs to get the prescription done, you know, the, to get a LASIK surgery, and then I'm still spending money on glasses. I mean, it made no sense. So I'm like, and then, you know, I'm just like, how long has this guy been doing business? I mean, you're not an eye doctor. You just fix glasses and order glasses. So why would you tell somebody to go spend $1,000 to get a LASIK surgery? And in the long run, oh, by the way, you're still going to need to wear glasses. I said, and I asked him, I said, doesn't that defeat the purpose of uh, LASIK surgery for for those that can't get it done? And he kind of blew it off like, oh, uh, yeah, you're right. (laughs) But uh, it was just a funny story because... It kind of was like, really, dude, <laughs> you're going to tell me this stuff? But uh, I, I don't know, you know, I, I've been, throughout my family, we've had vision problems. My brother wears glasses, my dad has weared, worn glasses, my mom wears glasses, so my grandfather wears them. And, you know, we've got some family members that have got 20-20 vision, and I've always said, why couldn't it be me that had excellent vision? But that's just the way it goes. So anyway, you know, we, we got Ted 2 was a movie of the week that was elected uh, last week. Did you get a chance? I'm sure you watched I think you told me you watched it last night, didn't you, Peter? Watched it the other night, yeah. I, I'm with you. Yeah, sorry, it was last night. I'm going to get my days mixed up. Yeah, I I agree with you. It's not as good as the original. It's still pretty funny, but not um, not as good as the original one, I think. it's. Um, I think movies like that, they're hard to follow up with, and I'm glad they made a mention of what happened to Mila Kunis. Um which was which was nice. So that was good. I thought overall the movie was pretty. I mean, it was it had its funny parts, you know. And I thought it was enjoyable seeing Tom Brady, and it was absolutely hilarious. You know, Tom Brady was just he was so he was funny in that movie for the part he was in. So I enjoyed it. What do you think of it? You know, I, I like I said, I thought that they did a, a. It was a good sequel, but it just wasn't a great sequel. 
There's, you know, there's only very few movies that I find better than the original, and that's just not one of them. I mean, you've got to be, I think when it comes to, in terms of sequels, you've got to be very careful because, you know, it, it's kind of like when we talked about, uh, I don't know if we, when we were talking about Johnny Depp and his uh, cameo in 21 Jump Street, then they do 22 Jump Street, which was just okay, and then it was like there's, you know, they were talking about the 23 Jump, a new 23 Jump Street, and Channing Tatum's like, hold up said, you know, we, we did the first two and it worked really, really well. You know, maybe we lost some of the magic of the third one. And I just felt like the magic of Ted from the original Ted, which is one of the funniest movies I'd seen in a long time, and I had not yet seen this one. And it's like you said, Tom Brady in this movie was absolutely hilarious. and and uh, But it, it just lacked the magic. I mean, it was a great cast all around. And it's like you said, it had some funny moments, but it just, it you know, it, it was missing something, and I think, you know, Mila Kunis was supposed to be in the sequel, but believe it or not, I think she was pregnant at the time of filming, and I, I don't know why they just didn't bring her in on that one. Well, I think you find out he's divorced from her right after six months or something. Yeah, the film yeah. wasn't. Yeah, yeah, that's probably what they probably yeah. had just to kind of hype that loose end. Um, I I enjoyed the movie overall. I thought it was you know like like we said it. It had its moments of being funny, but it's just, it doesn't compare to the original, but still, I enjoyed it. Yeah, so when we talk about best character, worst character, best scene, worst scene, this one was easy to pick apart. I absolutely hated The Flash in this one. I thought The Flash played his part well in the first one. You know, and I'm just going to go ahead and go with the best character, or worst character first. And this guy was, just, it was kind of lame. I mean, it was, you know, they, they idolized The Flash, they brought him on. Then you bring him back for the sequel, and it just didn't work. It was it was almost like a pointless role at that point. Yeah, I was kind of confused as to why they brought him back. You know, I thought he felt, I thought he did his part of the first one, doing the wedding ceremony and everything, and then to try to bring him back was just silly. I think they were trying to make up for the fact that Mila Kunis maybe wasn't in this movie to try to make, you know, because she had some funny parts in the other one, and I think maybe they just try to make it up and say, well, you know, we'll, we'll bring the flashback. It wasn't, wasn't worth it, in my opinion. Uh, that was my least favorite character. Uh, I'm with you there. It was kind of silly and pointless. Oh, sorry. I have my mic muted. I, I try and create the outside noise. For my favorite character, man, that was a tough one. I, I really love how how well the, uh, Seth MacFarlane created the Ted character, how well it was more developed. I think you, you saw more of a... A serious side to it, then you uh, serious side to the bear, like how he was, you know, the first time he was kind of the screw up, and John was trying to get his life together, and then you know you look at this one, and the roles kind of reverse, like Ted's trying to get his life together, you know, and John is a screw up. So and 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 I I kind of want to say that Ted is still my favorite character in this movie for the simple fact that the way Seth MacFarlane developed him really really well for this film. Yeah, Ted was great in this one, and it's funny that you mentioned how how the tides turn. I think um, that that the script actually was really supposed to be something about how Ted was um, something about smuggling pot across the country, but they decided against that due to it being too close to where the mill is. So part of me wonders if they had to make Ted too a little more serious, um, Ted a little more serious in this one, and they had to flip the script. But I thought Ted was great in this and. 
Mark Wahlberg was funny too. It was hard for me to pick a, a favorite character, so I, I really can't pick one. I thought everyone in this movie, aside from the Flash, did a great job playing their part. And, you know, we'll go ahead and keep it going with the least favorite scene. I didn't really find a least favorite scene, but one of the things that really bothered me of this movie is did, was this. I want to say it was a script in general because it was like, you know, Ted goes to court for those who have not seen the movie to, you know, to determine that he's not a, what, what did they call him? A, uh, a property versus a human being. And you can tell in the movie that this bear is alive and you drag it out that long to determine, yeah, we're going to go ahead and give him his citizenship or call him a human being. But it's like, really, that much time was devoted. I, I thought the script was just, the, the, the plot line lost me at times in this. Like, you want to go adopt a kid or you want to have a baby and it's a teddy bear and a human. And I understand the comedy of it. But I, I think they, they kind of dropped the ball here in terms of the whole plot of the movie. I didn't have a least favorite scene in this movie. Um, it's hard for me to really determine that. But like you said, I think it, part of it was dragged out. And it's, and I think part of that is because when you make a sequel to a movie like Ted, you have to have to be brilliant in it. But when you drag it out, like you said, it was almost two hours, I think, this movie. It really could have been probably an hour and a half. Um, they probably had to shoot some stuff out of it. But I guess they just wanted to add as much stuff as they could and try to make it funny. Um... You know, I enjoyed some of the characters. I enjoyed Morgan Freeman being in this movie. I enjoyed Liam Neeson in it, uh, his part. You know, Jimmy Kimmel, Jay Leno, those guys, Tom Brady. So I enjoyed, like, you know, the characters. But like you said, the movie's kind of dragged out. And they, I think they could have made it a little bit shorter, in, my, in just my opinion. I don't know how you feel, but that's just how I take it. Yeah, I thought some of the jokes worked well in the first one, and they didn't quite work well in the second one. And then some of the deflate gate jokes were just kind of hilarious, the way they put them in there. And believe it or not, and not because I'm a Patriots fan, but the scene with Tom Brady was probably one of the best scenes I've seen that I saw in the entire movie. And my wife was actually watching watching it with me, and it was the way the way they played it out was just comedic gold. I was laughing so hard. When he threw Ted out in the lawn, he goes, take your bleep, bleep, bleep bear with you. And threw it, and he hit, or Ted ran right into uh, Mark Wahlberg, to John, and he was like, holy crap, a perfect spiral. And, and the way <laughs> that whole scene was played out was, was just, uh, that was just, it, it just had me rolling. That's, yeah, that was funny. That that scene, that was, the main reason I wanted to watch that movie was just seeing that one scene, because Tom Brady is my hero. So, that was I wanted to watch. <laughs> so, yeah. And, but I would recommend it to anyone, and I guess if I had to give this movie a rating, um, I'd give it like a 6 out of 10. What about you, Rich? I really can't go more than a 6. I, mm. I would have gone 6.5 if it hadn't been for being dragged out or a 7, but I have to go with a 6, just based on what I thought of it when I watched it. Man, that that's a tough one because it wasn't, it honestly wasn't that bad of a movie and it really wasn't that great. And I'm not, I'm actually going to have to agree with you, but I'm going to take it a step lower just because the plot line was so out there and it is Seth MacFarlane and he does do some stupid stuff. So I'm going to go five and a half out of 10. I, I just didn't, I, I know when they do, like we said, when they do sequels, it, it just confuses me on why you're going to make a sequel. And, and 
let, let's take, for example, the Beverly Hills Cop franchise. One was great. Two was great. Three just flat out sucked. Then they're going to take, then there, you know, there were, there were rumors for like the longest time. Oh, you know, Eddie Murphy, they tried to bring Beverly Hills Cop uh, to the TV, to the big, to the, bring it to series. And I guess uh, it was created by Sean Ryan. For those that don't know, he was the creator of The Shield. So he had like a gritty, gritty cop drama, and it was like based on Axel Foley's uh, son, and Axel was a police chief, and he was going to do some cameo scenes in there. Judge Ryan hold out. Everybody was going to do some cameo scenes in there, and that, they, you know, they, ABC said, nah, you're, you're too, you, we don't, we don't want it. So they threw it away, and then apparently that generated the interest for Beverly Hills Cop 4. You know, they, they got everything go to green light, and then Eddie Murphy saw the script, and it was like, I'm not going to make a movie just to make a movie for money. He's like, I learned my lesson from Beverly Hills Cop 3. So, you know, that that's the dangerous thing about making sequels. And that that's why I gave this one a 5.5 out of, out of 10, just for the simple fact, if you're going to film a sequel or make a sequel, you've got to have, you know, it's got to be on point from the original. Not even on point from the original, but at least just as good or you know even a little bit underneath if you can understand where i'm going with this yeah i know what you mean like at some point when you do a sequel you have to make it either really good or people are not going to be happy with it um (laughs) it's like i'm trying to think of some other movies like when i think about sequels movies that have been dragged out for too long i think about movies like friday the 13th or um nine man elm street like you know the first one of both series were, were good, I thought, or like good for what the genre was, and then they just kept it. Like, how many times does somebody kill people and nothing happens to them? Like, Jason, he gets, I'm pretty sure he gets blown up or lit on fire or something, somehow survives, comes back from the dead, and then he went, and then Jason X, he wakes up from being frozen on us, and he comes on a spaceship and kills everyone, and like somehow is like even stronger than before. I don't understand why they drag movies out for so long with all these sequels. <laughs> It is so, unless it's like an actual storyline, like Ted, like I, I really feel like there wasn't a rollover. It gets to be annoying. It's not like you know we look at the Bourne films, Star Wars, Star Trek. Those movies have storylines, but like you said, Beverly Hills Cops, there's only so much you can do with them before it starts falling apart if there's not really a long, elongated plot line about a story. Like Ted one and two, there's somewhat of a storyline between the two, but not really if you think about it. In just my opinion. Yeah, not 100% with you. And it's like this new Ghostbusters reboot. They have not yet created a trailer for it because there was so much content. And, you know, all the summer movies have trailers except for this one. And it's like, okay, Paul Feig, where's the trailer at? Everybody who's curious to see what you got. Now, like I said, we talked about this movie quite a bit on the on the free-for-all. I absolutely love the director. I love Melissa McCarthy. I love Christine, or Chris, uh, Christina Wigg. But I'm just, I just don't know about reboots and remakes and everything else. It's kind of like what they did with the Dukes of Hazard when the, the Broken Lizards took it over and you know, created something that was a little bit too raunchy for what you remember the Dukes of Hazard to be, which is the good old country boys to them. Uh, you know, I'm trying to actually sit here and pull up the uh, movie releases, what came out here. There it goes. Uh, and my internet is running really low right now. But, uh, you know, I think what came out, you know, I was looking else to look at Redbox while we're on the subject of movies, and I didn't really see nothing that uh, broke out at me. It was kind of like, like, jumped out at me, so I just got tattooed just for the, the simple purpose of the free-for-all tonight. 
But uh, you know, is there any is there any movies that came out today that you know that are interest that you saw of interest? Um, not really anything this week. Um, I think it's going to be more next week when Deadpool comes out. Actually, Samantha and I are going to go see that next week. So I'm looking forward to what's coming out next week over this week. I, I think next week is probably a bigger movie, a bigger movie weekend, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it looks like uh, today was Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, the Choice. Oh, the Comedy Hill Caesar came out today. Not really interested in that one. It kind of looks stupid to me. Uh, all the, all Roads Lead to Rome, uh, Regression, Fourth Man Out, Misconduct, The Pact, South Band, Southbound, I'm sorry, The Club, and Viva. Uh, then, for whatever reason, uh, February 12th is Deadpool and Zoolander 2. And then the reboot to Cabin Beaver. So we'll kind of talk a little bit about those next week. Uh, don't know. The movies that came out on DVD, like I said, I saw Ted 2 in there. And I know that uh, Straight Outta Compton came out on DVD, but has not yet been released to Redbox. And that's one that I'm still waiting to go to Redbox. Maybe I'll rent that on uh, DirecTV's uh, pay-per-view this weekend. Just so I can see it. Uh, yeah, that'd be fun. I haven't uh, seen that. I haven't seen that movie yet. I might, when it comes out on Redbox, I'm going to pick it up for sure. Oh, and tomorrow night they got the, uh, it's that Liam Neeson movie. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, it's the one about something, A Walk among, Amongst the Tombstones is their new release for HBO tomorrow night for our listeners that have HBO. That was in Redbox a while ago, but I just, you know, I was like, eh, don't know about it. And somebody that saw it over the, uh, over the fall said it was really, really good film. Uh, you know, and I'm waiting on my internet for whatever reason wants to run slow when I'm, you know, when we're doing the show, so I can't really pull up the news. Uh, I, you know, it it's just amazes me with the, the way these movies only stay in theaters that long and then go directly to DVD. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's still loading up here. So, before we uh, go over to the uh, uh, movies portion, or actually leave the movies portion, you know, Deadpool's coming out. You know, we, we spoke on Zoolander 2, and of course you heard that, you know, we're doing Zoolander next week for the uh, free-for-all. Uh, you know, these superhero movies, we talked a little bit about them, and, you know, there's more speculation about the Batman-Superman film coming out. And the more I hear about what's in it, is the, the, the more excited I get for it. You know, we, we broke down, for those that didn't hear a couple nights ago when they released the Suicide Squad 2 trailer, the, the implications are that Batman's sending Robin in to find out what the Suicide Squad, who they're going after, what they're doing, and apparently I, the, the rumor is he gets caught by Joker, and that's who, who that's going into. And I think we're only a couple, like two months away from that one, but sad part is we got to wait till August for Suicide Squad. But uh, I don't know, do you have any other movie news that you uh, were able to find out? Well, I know that they've been filming the new Bourne film. Uh, they were, Matt Damon was actually down on the strip. I think it was a few weeks ago they shut part of the strip to film the movie. Um, and somebody I, I sort of know, like, you know, somebody, like somebody I know in passing, um, told me that she was at a poker table with Matt Damon um, playing in some tournament. He was at her table a few weeks ago, so... I'm excited for the new Bourne film. I, I'm not exactly sure yet if this one is going to have the Jeremy Renner, Jeremy Renner character in it, too, with him and Bourne working together. There's just been rumored that eventually they're going to be in a movie together. Um, and I haven't heard anything about 
him being in this one yet, but it could just be that they're doing Matt Damon's parts, and, and maybe Jeremy Renner will just be the film. Um, you know, for anyone who watched The Bourne, was it the ultimate, trying to think of, The Bourne, was it Bourne? The Bourne, like, no, it was the newest Bourne, I, I'm forgetting the name of it, but they mentioned Jason Bourne in it being in New York City, but you never saw Matt Damon, so this might be something similar where you hear about Jeremy Renner's character being near Matt Damon, but nothing happens, so... I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to it. And I think it's going to be a great movie. I don't know when the release. I don't know what the release date is for just yet. But I'm super excited for it to come out. Um, somebody from the Patriots Facebook group, this girl, she was actually uh, an extra on set one day for the movie. So that was kind of cool. She was out here in Las Vegas. Um, I saw. So maybe maybe I should try my hand and try to be an extra in this movie too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did hear something about that they were going to try and put Jeremy Renner's character and Matt Damon's character on the same screen together, and I'm not sure if it was this one or not, so that's actually something to look forward to as well. Uh, you know, I, I actually, every now and then, I try and do some movie search news, and it's the same recycled stuff I get all the time. Uh, no new updates on Beverly Hills Cop, always waiting for the Ghostbusters trailer, or, you know, the, the any new news on Suicide Squad. But, uh... So I told you guys that we had some some uh, little tidbit from uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So I'm gonna go ahead and get into this one real quick because this one actually it's it's kind of unique how they're working on this new album. Apparently they're on the last little bits of songs. So there was rumors. <laughs> the rumor was earlier or last fall or over the summer or whenever when they were supposed to start. When they started going to the studio and working, that Danger Mouse was doing the you know, he was producing the album, and they said, no, no, that's not the case. So it's beneficial that Danger Mouse is the producer on this album. Now, from what Anthony Kaitis had said was, is that they had written, I think he said, two dozen songs, over twenty-four songs, played them for Danger Mouse. Danger Mouse says, eh, you know, why don't we go back in the studio and write? you know, write more songs, and that's what they did, they went back in the studio and continued to write more songs, and apparently, like, only out of the 24 songs that they had pre-recorded and done and performed for him, only, like, one or two is going to make the cut on the new album, so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, and he said it was going to, you know, he was glad that they, that Danger Mouse said, hey, no, I want you guys to go write more music, so you guys can do better than this. So that kind of gives me a little bit more hope for the the new Chili Peppers album coming out soon. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in this. We've been talking about this for a while now. This new album that's supposed to come out. I'm hoping it's really good. Uh, and I love the Red Hot Chili Peppers, even though some of maybe their newer stuff isn't as good as their old stuff. But still, Red Hot Chili Peppers, they still put out really good music. So I'm curious to see uh, how this album's going to turn out. Really am. Oh. Oh, sorry. I was uh, trying to type something up to you. Uh, yeah, I, I am too. And uh, and it's like I said, I'm hoping that, you know, with the new producer, like I said, the new producer, that this, you know, it pays off for them in the long run. That's the other thing I keep scouring for, some some music news on them. And that's that was the little a bit of information that I found out. It just amazes me because Danger Mouse is really between him and Timberland. They're some of the best music producers out there, so I'm I'm really hoping that we see a fresh new look of the Chili Peppers because the Without You album they did, they dropped a few years ago, it kind of sucked in my opinion. I, I just didn't feel that have the Chili Peppers vibe, 
And to our new listeners, Anthony Kiedis is one on record saying that this, you know, he thinks that this album is going to be one of their best ever. And, you know, I think, you know, me, you, Ryan, and myself got into the debate of, you know, I, I don't think it's going to top Blood Sugar Sex Magic or Californication. Ryan, you know, he was the one that said Californication was the best one. And I still think, you know, I, I kind of tend to agree with him. But, uh, you know, we, we, uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic is what put them on the map. So, anyway, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the upcoming TV shows. We're going to shift from the, the large screen to the uh, small screen. There was some uh, new shows that dropped out and uh, the O.J. Simpson thing. Uh, those, you know, that premiered on Tuesday night and they, they it, it pretty much shattered the records for FX. We will be right back. Well, the boys are talking, and the show is really moving along. But we need to take a break before a fight breaks out. People end up in the hospital. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back now, you hear? <laughs> that boy's good. Mm-hmm, good and terrible. Cars for kids, donate your car today. 1-877-CARS-FOR-KIDS, donate your car today. Also on the web at carsforkids.com, that's cars with a K. We're a recognized 501c3 charity organization, so you'll receive a maximum tax deduction. What's more, you'll receive a free vacation voucher of three days and two nights. 1-877-CARS-FOR-KIDS. Donate your car today. Are you looking for the web's best sports news? Visit jockjournal.com. Sports media has lost its touch. It seems that journalists are scared to report what they see for fear of losing access to the teams they cover. At jockjournal.com, you get inside info on the entire NFL community without all the politics or fears other writers have. That's jockjournal.com. When you need the NFL sports news, information, opinions, fantasy, football, or discussions, there's only one place to to go and it's jockjournal.com okay the boys have settled down one has a beard in and the other has a stake on his eye well, why don't you give them a call and tell them what you think alright you're back on the Friday Night Free For All on Jock Journal and Jock Journal Radio uh, this is the free parking show yeah, so before we went to commercial break, we were kind of dipping into the movies and a little bit of Red Hot Chili Peppers news because they're big and whatnot. Uh, the only the only news that I saw from the FX was apparently they shattered the, the, the viewership record from the Sons of Anarchy finale, which, you know, the O.J. Simpson case itself got it rather interesting when they released the tapes of him doing the whole, uh, what was it called, they... They finally released the tapes from the, not the murder trial, the the lawsuit against uh, Ron Goldman's family that they won and whatnot. So, I kind of, I, I watched the premiere, 
John Travolta playing Robert Shapiro was kind of weird to me. Uh, I think uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. was outstanding as OJ. Uh, I think the, the 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 regular people when they interviewed Marsha Clark and Marsha Clark actually said, you know, I was watching. They were all the people that were involved with this trial were watching it that are still alive because I think Johnny Cochran passed away. I, I believe he did, if I'm not mistaken, and he was. And it was like, Marsha Clark's like, it was weird because I have not relived it. She's like, I didn't even want them to bring this thing back. But she said, I was watching it, and it was like, it was me on TV. And she was saying the actress that played her did a remarkable job, like it was point on. So if you've not yet seen it, you might want to check it out. And, and Even if you follow the O.J. Simpson trial, or you did follow the O.J. Simpson story, I think they're doing a great job of it. The news that I learned last night was, is I think... So it's called American, I think it's American Crime Story or something like that, The People versus O.J. Simpson. And it goes beyond, and they're trying to turn it from the actual O.J. Simpson, digging deeper into the steps from the arrest all the way through the trial proceedings and whatnot. Uh, the creators came out and said the next step in the whole uh, American Crime Story or whatever, the next segment is based off the Katrina, the Hurricane Katrina thing, and I don't even know how in the heck that has anything to do with crime, but they said it's going to focus on six actual families and their trial and tribulations going through the disaster down there. So I'm guessing they're going to try and do it like a true story thing series. So, but I, I think they even said that they're a little bit, they're a little bit worried about it because they're not going to be able to top the OJ Simpson trial. And right before me and you came on the air, you just actually admitted to me that you finally finished sons of anarchy. So why don't you tell me what you thought about that one? Well, I finally got around to finishing it because you, I'm trying to think. Of, this one have been about like three years ago, or maybe four years ago. I was watching it on Netflix uh, one summer. I'd watch it when I could. Um, I was getting into it, and then for some for some reason, I stopped watching it. I think I might have been on vacation when I was watching it. I might have been from work, and um, so when my Samantha and I moved out here, we started we started catching up with it again. Because after we moved out here, they had the series finale, and I didn't watch it because. I didn't want to miss everything in between. So when I finally saw the end, I thought it was a great way to end the show. It was sad in a way that, that Jack had to, had to die, uh, even though he was a criminal. I think it was just sad. It was sad because he, he, I think he finally understood what he had done was wrong. And it, it was interesting because it was the way he died was he went up to his father, did, you know, the same bike, same road, getting hit by an 18-wheeler. I just thought it was said that he had to that he had to kill himself or end it the way he did. I thought that a better way would have been to turn himself in and maybe um, you know say I committed these crimes. Uh, you know I, I'd rather turn myself in, but I understand the death thing, and I think that's what makes this story so interesting. Is it's like a circle of of, of, of life almost, sort of in in a way. Um, you know, at the end after after he dies, before the credits roll, they show the Macbeth quote, and my girl, was funny, my girlfriend and I are watching it together, and she was like, it's like Macbeth. You know, it's the way it ends. It's a, it's a you know, just just the way that, that he just decided to go on a rampage, and I think he, I think, you know, it was, it was obviously planned out. You knew that he was going to do something when he was talking to uh, Chibs on the roof, because remember on the roof scene, he goes, I need to talk to you about something, and then it cuts, and then he comes back, and Chibs is crying, and he's not saying anything. 
And then when I saw them pull the bike out, that was his father's. I said, you know what? I, I knew how the show ended because somebody yeah. told me by accident. And I said, he's going to go out the way his father did. And it was just, you could tell from when he talked to Chibs that that was the end for him, that he wasn't going to come back and that he was going to give himself up and let his kids grow up without his their father being in jail. And just hopefully he, he wanted them to hate him pretty much because he, he didn't want them to be like him. But what made the end much more interesting to me was remember in the car his his older son uh, Abel is his older son right the oldest I believe yes okay he has a sun ring on and he's playing with it and yeah. yep. it makes you think is he going to go down the same path Jack did because Jack wanted to be more like his father wanted him more clarity over the club but I think Ron Perlman's character in Gemma really kind of morphed him into this evil person and I think if Tara hadn't been killed by Gemma, I think this story would have ended much more happier, or more, you know, it would have been a happier ending, but it just goes to show you when you're lied to by the people that care about you, that brought you into the world, you snap, and I think he realized when it was all said and done, he had created too much, too much of a mess out of his mother's own doing that he decided that he, he couldn't live anymore, he he had to complete the circle and now I'm kind of interested to see if they're going to do a spin-off about his son down the road because that ending kind of makes you think, is his son going to go down the same dark path he went down or is he going to hate his father? And we're never going to know, but it was a very, very great way to end it. Kind of like a cliffhanger, like what's going to happen to him when he grows up? We'll never know, but it's going to, it made me think, I'm like, man, is he going to turn out to be like his father or is he just going to you know, grow up a normal life? We'll never know, but great way to end the series. Great within the series. Um, I enjoyed the series overall completely. I thought it was, I'd give it a 10 out of 10. Great writing, great acting. Um, and the storylines were just incredible. Just, just an incredible show. And I wish it was still on TV. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you think about it this way, though, well, with the, de- the death of Jax, he did kill uh, the, the other sons. I can't remember. I want to say his name was Jerry. He killed Jerry. And you're not supposed to, as a lead, as a, a chapter president, you're not supposed to kill another president no matter what. You're supposed to bring it to the table. And, you know, the, the rule, you know, they said, well, we're going to kill you. you. You killed a chapter president, you, your, your ultimate uh, punishment is death. So remember, they voted on death for him, and he agreed to the death, but he wasn't going to go out on his own terms. Uh, what the, the agreement was, okay, well, you can kill me off, but it was basically the essential of, like, hey, and, and I knew, if you remember the, the last episode when they were sitting at the table and they made the vote, he's like, I just got one stipulation. You knew it was about the Grim Bastards that was going to, you know, say, hey, because it was, they, they, they finally let uh, the leader of the Grim Bastards, I can't remember his name, the, the black guy, and he, you know, he came in as a prospect, and that's what the father, you know, that's what uh, John Teller wanted. The what really was interesting is about the ending of that, you know, before we move on to the, uh, the Kurt Sutter news, is how it, if you remember the very pilot episode, if you've not yet seen the pilot, it started out the same way the, the series ended. There's two crows on the bird, or there's two crows sitting on the road eating bloody bread, and Jack drives by on a motorcycle by the same exact highway he's riding on at the very end before he gets killed, you know, after he gets killed. The same two birds or the same two crows or whatever they are, vultures are laying on the road eating the bloody bread. And it was just kind of the way they ended it. I, I thought the show ended perfectly, to be honest, because 
he went down a destruction path, and, and that's just what it was. But uh, don't did you catch? Let me ask you a question. Did you catch who the driver of the truck was? Uh, I was trying to figure out where I knew him from, but I don't think I did. Okay, so this is how it goes. Kurt Sutter's first job for FX was uh, he was a writer for The Shield. That was Vic Mackey, also known as uh, Michael Chiklis. He had a cameo in there, and he was driving the truck that killed Jax Taylor. Oh Taylor. my god, I was wondering where I knew him yes. from. Because he was such a small one. When somebody like him plays a small role, it's like you don't think about that at the time, but that's uh, that's pretty cool actually that he, uh, that he brought him on for that. But yeah, cause <laughs> that's I, really I, cool. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, believe it or not, I think every member from the Shield that was on the strike team except for Ronnie, you know, they were on Sons of Anarchy. I think uh, Lem was part of the Sons back, and I think it was season three. He was with a chapter move over. Uh, Walton Goggins, who played Shane Vandrell. He was uh, the the Van Dam the 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 transvestite uh, prostitute or whatever. So you know it was kind of cool because everybody's like, "When's when's Vic Mackey coming?" And that that's how they brought him on was uh, Vic Mackey and Dutch was on there, and they they had just about everybody from the Shield, and that's what that that's how it was all tied in together like that. Uh, the Sean Ryan news, okay, so he did the uh, bastard the bastard executioner. I think it was like last over the summer is what it was and i kind of watched it tried to get into it but it just didn't make it wasn't as good as what he did with sons of anarchy and i think he understands that it's going to be tough to top that one and you know the fans were not happy with the way the bastard executioner was last one season and and out of the kindness of his heart actually they fx are you going to do another season he was like no, the fans don't like it, so I'm gonna. I, I'm just gonna scrap it all together. So apparently, he listened to the fans for once. Fan says no, don't do it again. So that was the end of that one. There, I know that he's doing a movie, and I can't recall the name of the movie off the top of my head. But right now, they are talking about the Mayans, a Mayans chapter, and I don't think he wants to be the showrunner for it. I think he wants to kind of pr- help produce it and whatnot. But I, I'm trying to think they're trying to get somebody with the uh the hispanic heritage background to come in do some writing do some producing and whatnot and get this show on the road and of course they've been talking about the first nine for a long time and i think that i I really honestly don't as a sons of anarchy fan i would love to see a miniseries even six episodes of the first nine versus the mayans that we've already seen on tv although you could even cross you know have the sons you know, have the sons come on as like guest spots or whatnot, or guest starring. But at the same time, it's you, you, I don't know that it's going to work. I mean, you look at Better Call Sal with the when Breaking Bad and they did the spinoff of Better Call Sal and it bang, it works. But when you do a spinoff like that, you got to be careful doing it because nobody's going to talk about the minds. They're going to be like, okay, when's Jack's going to do a cameo? When's Chibs coming on? When, you know, when's all these guys coming on to do a cameo? And, and that may tamper the series of the Mayans. Yeah, I'm interested, actually, to see how this is going to work out. I was talking to one of my coworkers the other day, and he told me he had heard somewhere, maybe read online, that this show is supposed to run along sometimes of anarchy, like, at the, around, about the same time. And I think that's a good idea. Now, the only thing I would say is that I take it a step further. You do it around, you do it alongside, right? Because uh, Jackson, um, 
Jackson's supposed to be in it uh, here and there, I believe. But I'd like to see them do it post Thunder and Anarchy. Because remember the series finale, the Mines decided to take one of the Irish under them and protect him from the IRA and run weapons. So I think it'd be cool if they ran him alongside for a little bit and then you have Jax's death and then you have the Mines post Jax's death because the end of Suns kind of leads on that the Mines are going to be the bigger motorcycle gang in that area just from what I gather and I don't know what you think about that but I think it'd be cool if they did a post and then because you would still probably see Chibs and, and Takers. I love Chibs and Takers. Those are probably outside of... Um, Nero, who's one of my favorite characters, and obviously Jax is my favorite one. I love Tig and Chibs because they're both funny. Uh, Tig is just a clown. He's always getting into some. He's always getting. He's always getting into something in Chibs I love. So I see them part of. And I'm with you there. You got to be careful about bringing people along because, like you said, people are going to think a lot about Jax and probably Chibs and Tig. And I think even Nero. Um, near the end of the show, he was obviously playing a big role. So I'm curious to see how it's all going to work out. Uh, I think it'll be great because Kurt Sutter knows what he's doing, um, assuming that he's the one on board with this. So I'm, I, I'm hoping it'll be good. I'm sure it will be. But I just hope fans don't expect to see too much of the sun, um, you know, more than they'll show. In my, so I'm excited, uh, but I'm with you there. They're going to have to be careful about how they bring people back and how they, how they make this show because they don't want to, um, I guess, I don't want to see them market it like you're going to see the Suns a lot and not not have them in it that much. But I think they'll be in it just enough to bring Suns fans that want to see the original characters in this back to stay for the entire length of the series, assuming it's more than you know one or two seasons if it doesn't pan out. Yeah, because, I mean, if you look at Vince Gilligan, excellent show writer, uh, him and the guy from House joined forces and did Battle Creek, and I love Battle Creek. But you don't show something of that quality on a network like ABC and then run it over the summer when a lot of people are on vacation. It just doesn't work. I think that's why they canceled Battle Creek, which I'm surprised that uh, Netflix didn't pick it up. Because Netflix, you know, they're, they're great at resurrecting shows. You know, they got full the Full House reunion coming back. Just actually, my wife was the one that told me they just relaunched Gilmore Girls is making a comeback as well to Netflix. That was announced earlier in the week, so... Netflix is, do you agree that Netflix is slowly going to, is coming into one of the greatest things ever because apparently they're beating out Hulu, uh, Amazon Prime, and all these other streaming devices, and this is the funny thing about Netflix, a lot of people have been ragging on Adam Sandler, but the most watched movie on Netflix for the entire month of December was The Ridiculous Six, that thing had over, I they, they said that has been as day in and day out. More people watch The Ridiculous Six than they have any of the other programs on Netflix, and he's got that four-picture movie deal. So now Netflix doesn't, you know, Netflix doesn't sound like, you know, everybody's like, oh, why are you going to sign out with Sandler, that four-year movie deal for all that money? But, I mean, he's bringing the views in for them as well. Uh, hmm. You know what? I, I, I'm with you. I think Netflix is, is slowly becoming uh, just incredible. They, they're taking over Hulu. I'm, I like Hulu because I watched The X-Files and, and other shows that I missed the night before because I don't have cable. Uh, so that's why I like Hulu. But Netflix, I like that they have original series and, and they have some really great ones too. Uh, and, but now I see Hulu's trying to bring some uh, original series on. They're actually doing one with Aaron Paul about being in a cult. So I'm curious to see how Hulu's going to respond to Netflix's 
sort of monopoly of the online TV movie uh, websites. And, and Netflix has been really good about getting the newer movies, I feel like, as of late. Uh, so, yeah, Netflix is just incredible. It's some incredible shows, and they're, they're, they've always been on top of their game, in my opinion. And what really is upsetting, though, is Netflix, man. King of the Hill, once King of the Hill left Netflix in 2013, no one has picked it back up. King of the Hill is probably one of my favorite shows of all time in terms of animation comedies. And I was heart, I mean, I was literally heartbroken and pissed off when they took it off, when they took it off Netflix. We actually got Amazon Prime because it was on Amazon Prime and Amazon Prime took it off the next day. So I was like, what the heck? And you can occasionally catch some of them on YouTube. So every month, I, you know, when they, you can go online and see what's coming and going to Netflix, I always, you know, joke around and says, you know, what, what's coming? I say, oh, there's still no King of the Hill. So I'm wondering, you know, a lot of people left Netflix because of that. But, you know, it's about a business. Uh, you know, Hulu spent all that money to get uh, Seinfeld. I think it was. What what did they spend over that? It was like $125 million or something. I think those are the numbers just to have the streaming rights to a TV show. It is absolutely ridiculous, but I will agree with you on Hulu. If I miss a show that I forget to record on my DVD, we have the Hulu subscription. I'll go on there and watch it, but they still don't have the updated CBS shows, so I have to make sure I record those. Believe it or not, no one has the streaming rights to any of the CBS shows. Netflix, Hulu, uh, Crackle, none of them have it. If you want to watch it, you got to look somewhere else for it or you know the digital downloads and whatnot or iTunes. Yeah, I, I think we're going to start seeing, you know, we're talking about online streaming. I think we're going to start seeing uh, more shows be on these, on these, uh, <clears throat> on these Apple websites at home, like, you know, apps and stuff like Hulu and Netflix. I think we're going to start seeing a lot, a lot more original, uh, a lot more original series. The only thing I'm concerned about is maybe them upping the price, but for what the product that they give us is just incredible, and I... And I think it's great that they're they're creating their own shows to kind of maybe you know, spice up the TV world a little bit because there are some shows now that I can't that that I've heard of that I haven't just watched. The only ones I really watched on TV now is The Walking Dead, uh, Law and Order SBU, and The X Files. And those are the only three I really watch right now. And then when Better Call Saul comes back, I'll watch that. But I like I like a lot of these original series online now, and I like that Netflix has the entire office because that's one of my favorite shows of all time. <laughs> it's funny that we were talking about The Walking Dead because I keep looking for Walking Dead news and apparently everybody's tight-lipped like I said there was nothing new nothing new other than what I told you guys last week about Norman Reedus promising a big confrontation with Negan but that's expected in the comic books I mean nothing really new like I said nothing really new on that front but it was funny the only reason I laughed is because uh, uh, the I was walking to class uh, class with one of the other students in my algebra class, and she was like, I can't wait until uh, Valentine's Day. So you got a hot date? She was like, no, the return of The Walking Dead. And I was like, yes. So I said, now we could talk about The Walking Dead outside of free-for-all because, you know, I, my wife obviously does not watch it. I, I, we try and watch the same shows, but it never, I think there's only like the Big Bang Theory. There's only a couple shows that we actually watch together. And The Walking Dead, you know, it's like I said, I'm sure that there's going to be some late-breaking news that we can talk to you guys about on Friday night. 
or next Friday night, because like I said, we're only what two weeks away now, or what one uh, a week from a Sunday, week away. Day, a week from yeah. a week away from Sunday. I I'm I'm really super excited, and what's even more exciting than that is uh, Better Call Sal. The season two premiere date is the following night. Also, I got the Return of Swamp People next week too. I think this Return of Swamp People is Monday night as well. Uh, Impractical Jokers is coming back. So, I mean, football season may be over, but there's a lot of quality TV still to be viewed. Yep. I'm excited for, for these shows to start coming back. Totally excited for The Walking Dead. That's my favorite show on TV right now, hands down. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree with you. I think it's The Walking Dead, Better Call Sal. You know, and then I was heartbroken to find out because I just mentioned Swamp People. For whatever reason, they dropped half of their cast and brought a new cast members on and... This is their last season, according to some sources that I've been reading online, and I absolutely love Swamp People. I've been, for those that don't know, I have a fascination with alligators for some strange reason. But anyway, uh, Peter, why don't you give everybody a quick preview of what's going on on Sunday morning? Uh, well, so we're going to be doing another uh, pregame show. We used to do. Rich and I used to do pregame shows, and Ryan and Amos, too. They came on after uh, Rich and I started. Uh, we used to do pregame shows on Sunday mornings until the games before we came on into uh, doctrinal radio. But this Sunday, with the, with the blessing of Nash, we'll be doing a show starting at 11 Eastern. That's 8 Pacific time. We're we'll doing an hour-long pregame show for the Super Bowl where we're going to have some talking points of the game. Uh, that'll be one thing we do. And then we'll also... Predict the Super Bowl. We're all going to give predictions, and I think maybe if we have some time, we'll talk about Super Bowl traditions that we've had in the past. What we're going to do for the Super Bowl, and just kind of talk about that. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, definitely can't wait to share our predictions with you guys. Um, but yeah, stay tuned. Sunday morning, 11 Eastern, uh, 8 Pacific. It's going to be an hour-long show, and as always, we'll be on Jack Journal Radio, free parking show. And I, I think we've got Frank Sprankle and uh, Sean. Sean coming on from the uh, Sports Drive. I'm still trying to wait to hear the guys from the stretch that they're coming on. Mitch was on with us for the, uh, you know, he was one of the guests he's asked to come on for this, and I think he's in as well. So we we may have a a good handful of people. We'll see how that goes. Uh, we would like I said, anybody on Jock Journal, you know, any of our Jock Journal right, um, any of our Jock Journal writers that want to come on, you know, and do this show with us, you know, we're more than welcome to have you. We're just going to talk some foot, like Peter said, we're going to talk some football, pick the Super Bowl game, and all that other good mess. So uh, you know, I, I think that's about all we got for tonight. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, the stretch comes on in about an hour, so we're going to go ahead and get out of here. But like I said, we will see you guys on Sunday morning and regular scheduled program all week next week. Uh, my closing thoughts are, I, you know, I'm going to give a quick uh, gut feeling on something. I am cheering for the Panthers Sunday, but I just have this strange gut feeling that somehow, some way, Denver's going to win this game. I think Carolina's going to win, and it's it's, and I don't want to give away my prediction, but I'm not going to get into it. I, I've been saying Panthers for a while, but it's going to be a defensive battle. But I think what gives the Panthers the edge is their ability on offense compared to the Broncos' lack of ability. And yeah, I said it. You know, Peyton Manning isn't looking good. The running game is, is not good, and if it's going to be a really good game, it might be low scoring, but I, I think the Panthers are going to pull this one off.
They yeah. get their first Super Bowl title. Like I said, it, it should be an interesting game. Can't really say that I'm excited about the, the Super Bowl this year, but it is what it is. We will see you guys on Sunday morning. Everyone enjoy their weekend, and we will hope to, like I said, hope you guys listen in on Sunday. We are out of here. Have a great weekend. Well, there you have it. The boys were at it again. We hope you enjoyed tonight's broadcast. We hope you had a good night and stay right where you are. Another show is coming up. Y'all come back now, you hear? 